You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, uh, sorry for the late podcast. I, um, well, it's just when I started. All right, we'll leave it at that. I will say this, though. Be real careful what television you decide to watch before you go to sleep, especially if you're going to sleep in that day. In other words, you're not only going to be sleeping, you're going to be dreaming, and you're going to dream for a long time. And if you're having a bad dream and you want to wake up too bad because you're sleeping in today. So um, I was watching Monk last night, which Monk is it's the same show every time. Somebody is murdered that is close to Monk or in and around them because he's just the most unlucky person in the world and people just get slaughtered all over, all around him. And it's just, you know, somebody kills somebody and then they're trying to get away with it or whatever. Well, in my dream, was I a detective? No. Was I uh, one of the policemen? Was I Natalie Teeger, the assistant to the detective? No, I was not. Was I the person that got murdered so I could just be killed and have some restful sleep? Of course not. No, can't just let me be murdered so that I can sleep. You're dead now. Sleep the peace of death. Okay, thank you. Good night. Nope. Not for me. No, I'm the guy that killed someone. And it's not even fair because I didn't even do it, but apparently I did it. It's one of those things where I, you know, I, I don't remember doing it because it never happened in my dream. I just know that I'm guilty and I'm the bad guy in my own dream. Who in my brain, who, all right. There's someone in there deciding these things. I could have done anything I wanted to do, and if it was up to me, and believe me, it's not, I would never have chose that. Who chose that? I've got all kinds of theories about different guys that are up in my brain. I got a crazy uncle, which I think we all have a crazy uncle, but I'll I'll save that theory for another day. He's a conspiracy theorist, and if you don't believe me, let me give you the the real quick version of that. You, You don't think you have a crazy conspiracy theorist uncle in your brain? You ever walk around the corner and jump because you're sure that there's a person standing there with a knife? Then you turn the light on and it turns out it's just a lamp. Why does your brain immediately go to serial killer rather than something rational? I thought I saw a demon-possessed child like a year ago. It was a plant. Okay? So, yes, I have one, you have one. Anyways, back to my dream. Who is deciding these things? Who decided you, sir, welcome to this dream. We're in dreamland again. Um, Just so you know, you killed someone and they're trying to find the person. And you probably don't want to let them find out. And so there's just this constant state of anxiety that people are going to stumble upon things that prove that you did it. And all I know is there was this bag, and if they found the bag and the contents within, they would know that I did it, and I would spend the rest of my life in prison. Because apparently I killed someone. I don't know if I mentioned that. I don't know who. I don't know why. I don't... I I didn't do it. I don't know, but I did. 
I didn't, but I did. That isn't that messed up. And so I'm just going around trying to hide this bag. And then, to make it worse, as long as I have this bag hidden, and I did for quite a long time, they found a suspect. Pretty sure I think this lady did it. Brought her in. And so while simultaneously I'm feeling great because, hey, they're not looking at me, and they don't even know this bag exists, which I don't know why I can't just get rid of the bag. This is like a, a bag that needs to exist and needs to be within my person at all time. I can't just dispose of it. I don't know. It's great. They're not paying attention to me. But at the same time, I know that the lady didn't do it. And so best case scenario, this innocent lady goes to prison for the rest of her life for something that she didn't do so that I don't go to prison for it. And that's not a good thing. But I don't know what I'm supposed to think because I don't want them to get me, even though I did it, but I didn't do it. Stupid. You know who did it? The freaking guy in my brain. That's what happened. He killed somebody in Dreamland. And then I show up and I'm like, what's up, Dream Doctor? He's like, hey, and he hands me a knife with his bloody hands, and he's like, welcome to your dream. You killed that guy over there. Actually, I'm bored. I haven't done anything fun in a while. Figured I'd try that. Not going to lie. Didn't feel great, but I did it, and now you're responsible because I'm the dream doctor, and I get to decide what happens in this realm. And so I got to spend, what, 10 hours just walking around with detectives and police who are like, hmm, that's interesting. And I'm like, what's interesting? I don't know, man. I don't know. But And then... And then, then, we'll, then we'll start talking about the Packers. Then I'm laying in bed feeling awful. And it took me all of 10 minutes to realize, dude, there, there was no murder. You didn't do anything. You know, there's just like this general anxiety and feeling of hopelessness after a dream like this. And then it's like, dude, um, you feel bad because you killed somebody and that was a dream. And so you didn't. And so you get to wake up and just have a normal life. It's like, 85 degrees today. You're not going to work. You can do whatever you want. Go go do the podcast. Go get some meat and go grill it on the grill. Because you can do whatever you want because you're not going to prison for the rest of your life. At least I'm pretty sure of that. We're not fully awake. Anything's possible. But I'm pretty sure we didn't kill somebody. So, um, so yeah. So, so, how, so how are you guys doing over there? All right. Um, should we talk about, about like football and stuff? Or what do you want to do? Might as well start with some uh, quote-unquote inside information. Ian Rappaport was on with uh, Mr. McPhee. I'm not even going to play the clip because it just doesn't matter. But the only reason I'm really bringing it up is because it's starting to spiral and you're starting to see people spin this off and you get the whole telephone game, which the telephone game always spirals in one direction. The, The difference between this and the telephone game is that the telephone game is genuinely just random. It's similar to the telephone game, but it's not the same thing. You could start off a sentence with, I had coffee this morning, and 44th graders later, it's my mom is a T-Rex, right? It's, it's just, you have no idea what it's going to end up with. But we know exactly how these are going to end. You start with a comment like, you know, well, I can't even use this because Pat McAfee misquoted his own show, which is insane to me. He's clickbaiting himself. Anyways... The, the quote was something to the effect, oh, you know what, I, I should, I'm just going to have to play it. There's no sense in me translating it because I'm trying to be as specific as possible, and so you need to hear exactly what was said. So here is the actual comment made by Ian Rappaport. Just so we're all clear, because the funny thing is, if you just look at Pat McAfee's quote of this, I'm trying to describe this to you. It's literally right above the video of what I'm about to play for you. Here's what it says. Quote, he put this in quotes. 
This is a great wide receiver market for the Packers, and I think they're going to be involved for Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham Jr. End quote. And then they even put rap sheet, as in he's the one that said this exact quote. You understand, when you put something in quotes, that means this is word for word what this person said. That's what it means to put something in quotes. This is an exact word for word statement that was made in this video. So if you just retweet it and don't watch the video two, uh, two minutes and 16 seconds, you're like, Meh, whatever, that's crazy that he said that. I need to hear it. And now you, you need to understand that if you see Pat McAfee put any of his guests in quotes, don't take any of that seriously. You have to listen to the video because he misquotes his own show or whoever does the social media doesn't understand how quotes work. But here is what was said about the Packers. Rap sheet, speaking of that, do you get the inclination that the Packers are going to be involved with any of these guys? Or are they one of those teams where they're not really going to be able to give a guy $10 million, so they're probably not going to get one of these uh, receivers? I think the Packers are going to be involved in this market. And this is actually a great market for them because let's say you're Jarvis Landry or maybe even better for the Packers, let's say you're Julio Jones and you're not going to get $15 million. You're probably not going to get $10 million. The Packers would be one of those teams you'd want to join where maybe you make $3 million with some incentives, but you know you got a chance to make the Super Bowl. Like, that actually is attractive. So, you know, we got Odell, uh, who obviously had interest from the Packers last time. You had Julio, who I imagine will get some interest from there. Uh, Landry, who I don't know has gotten interest from the Packers, but all those guys would make sense for Green Bay, who I would say might add another receiver at some point. So I don't know about you, but that was a very different thing than the quote. Um, first of all, everything he said was speculation. Um, granted, the quote does say, I think they're going to be involved, but what does it go on to say? I think they're going to be involved in for Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham. He didn't say that at any point. In fact, the direct quote is, I don't know if they're interested in Jarvis Landry. And what he did say is, I know they were interested in Odell Beckham. Interested, as in last year. Actually, I think he even said Odell was interested in the Packers last year, not the other way around. So it's, Odell was interested in the Packers last year, no idea about Julio, and I don't have any idea if the Packers have any interest whatsoever in Jarvis Landry. He did not say, this is a great wide receiver market for the Packers, and I think they're going to be involved for Jarvis, Julio, and OBJ. Now, you could say it's similar, but it's not. The, the main point of what he's saying, and, and, and I agree, and this is kind of what I've been saying, is the Packers wait. They wait for the market to fit their needs, and the market does fit their needs. You've got a bunch of free agent wide receivers who are realizing they're not going to get the money that they wanted. So the money starts coming down. And so now we're getting into this territory where a lot of teams already have their wide receivers. They're not interested anymore. And so there are several offers sitting on the table and and the Packers, he, and and again, he doesn't know that the Packers are even interested in wide receivers. He just said, I, at the very end, I think they'll probably add a wide receiver at some point or try to, or whatever. Again, I'm not trying to directly quote here, just so we're clear, because I don't want to go back and listen to it for the fifth time. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but the point is he has no idea, but he thinks they'll probably be calling which I agree, they probably will. It's not even necessarily about, well, they they don't trust the guys that they have. It's just that they're always calling. And if you can get a guy added to the team for the right price, they're generally going to accept it. It's why you get random people that you feel like you don't necessarily need all the time. Picking up random running backs and and this or that or whatever, it's it's the right guy at the right price, fits the scheme, everything else. It's like, yeah, let's pull the trigger. Why not? Just trying to get better, man. So if there's a void they think they can fill, let's do it. But the reason why it's being pushed in this direction is there's still a narrative that the Packers need wide receiver help. And so if we can 
make a quote that sounds like Ian Rappaport came on my show and said the Packers are interested and are going to be involved with Jarvis, Julio, and OBJ, that's big news, except that's kind of different than what he said, isn't it? He said it's a good market. We know there was interest in the past, and they might do something with wide receiver in the future, which is all true, but it's not really groundbreaking, and it certainly doesn't fit what this quote says. So as I usually say with this, we we haven't really learned anything new. That's the big thing here. So, I mean, if we want to take Ian Rappaport, and I think even um, Pat McAfee kind of phrased this, I don't know if it's in, in this other clip or what, but he referred to it as punditry. In other words, this is you as a pundit, not as an insider. This isn't inside news. This is you basically speculating as somebody who's, you know, intelligent. You've done this for a long time. Your opinion matters. But you have no inside knowledge that the Packers have picked up the phone once. Now, with all that said, because I don't want to allow the, you know, panic mongers to be like, oh, something crazy is about to happen. We know whatever. But I also don't want there to be so much doom and gloom in terms of the Packers don't do anything. They never add anybody. We're done. There's nothing that's going to happen anymore. Um, I think it was Jacob Westendorf who kind of pointed this out and made a pretty good point. He said, for context here, last year the Packers signed Devondre Campbell on 6-9. They signed Dennis Kelly right as camp started. Um, I want to expand on that a little bit because they did a lot of things. And so I just want to give some perspective because, you know, again, it's kind of interesting to me because I look at it and say, this is our team now. And it's like, well, the, the Packers do a lot of things. And so I want to go through and look at some of the changes that were made between now of last year and, um, I don't know, through the season, I guess. So, for example, if last year was this year, tomorrow we're signing Blake Bortles. It was May 12th that we signed Blake Bortles. Uh, 13th and 14th is when we signed the majority of our um, our class. So Cole Van Landen, Shamar Jean Charles, Kylan Hill, Royce Newman, Isaiah McDuffie, Josh Myers, TJ Slayton, all were um, signed to the team. We also signed Kurt Banker to a contract on the 15th. On May 26, we converted $3.11 million of Dean Lowry's contract. So we did some roster or some uh, contract shuffling around to free up a little bit of money so that we can go do stuff. Stuff like what? Well, on May 26, we also signed DeAndre Tompkins, wide receiver. June 2nd is when we signed Eric Stokes. June 8th, Devondre Campbell. See, he just wanted it to be 6'9". It's 6'8". Inappropriate. Um, June 8th, Devondre Campbell signs a one-year, $2 million contract with the Green Bay Packers. So we're talking about like a month from now is when we made one of our biggest acquisitions. Now, at the time, it didn't seem like much, right? We also signed DeAndre Tompkins. Nobody remembers that. But one of the biggest signings we made all year happened June 8th. Uh, June 9th, we waved Mike Weber. June 10th, we waved Anthony Rush. Uh, June 10th is when we signed quarterback Jacob Dolagala. Remember that guy? The guy whose name I still have not learned to this day. But remember how much, like how crazy that was? Because it's like, they added another quarterback. I can't believe it. And this is with all the Aaron Rodgers stuff going on. And they're trying to add like six, seven, eight, nine quarterbacks. Now he ended up getting waived July 27th. So a month and a half later, but still a lot of crazy stuff happening. July 23rd, we signed Amari Rodgers to his contract. Uh, July 27th, we released Blake Bortles. And then July 28th is when we traded for wide receiver Randall Cobb. July 28th. So that would be like two and a half months from now. July 29th, we signed Dennis Kelly to a one-year contract. July 31st, Simon Stepniak randomly retired from football. Again, this isn't like an acquisition, but I'm, I'm just trying to 
give you a picture because it feels like we're in the dead season. Nothing happens. Now we get no news. Nothing crazy happens. The Packers don't add anybody. The Packers don't cut anybody. The Packers don't pay anybody. The Packers don't restructure anybody. We don't do anything. We just sit and wait until August, right? Like first week of September is when we see football. Before that, literally nothing. Even the reporters go into hibernation. Nothing happens. It's not true. July 31st converted $4 million of Randall Cobb's contract, clearing $2.7 million in cap space. August 3rd, Bailey Gaither retires. August 3rd, Daniel Crawford signed a contract with the Packers. And then August 3rd, we also signed Josh Avery. And then August 5th, we claimed Chauncey Rivers, defensive tackle. August 5th, we waived Joe Fortunato, the long snapper. August 12th, we signed Dominique Martin, safety. August 16th, we waived punter Ryan Winslow. August 16th, we waived John Dietzen. Right, so now we're going through kind of trimming the roster down. Uh, August 17th is when we made a trade for Isaac Yadam. August 23rd is when we traded Kadar Holman, which is still shocking to me that we were able to get compensation for him. By the way, we got Tariq Carpenter with, with that pick. So it, it, it's, it's a minor thing when you look at it, but it's like, first of all, how did we get compensation for Kadar Holman? But then to be able to turn around and turn Kadar Holman into Tariq, which I don't know if Tariq's going to do anything, but it's kind of cool. I mean, we're all glad that we got Tariq. He's a Packer fan, hopefully a good special teamer. August 25th, we signed Stefan Denmark. I'm skipping all the waved, waved, waved. August 25th, we signed Abdullah Anderson. August 27th, we released Devin Funches. Oh, we got some roster release stuff coming up. Jacob just threw in our uh, Discord chat. Packers versus Cowboys, week 10. So there you go. And we get a home game, an extra home game out of that, since Dallas is, is home for the Packers, if you get what I'm saying. Anyways, if you got to play away, that's a great place to be away. Aaron Rodgers freaking loves it there. But uh, August 31st is when we traded for Corey Bajorquez, right? Again, these aren't like necessarily blockbusters, but at the time it kind of felt like one. So even though you can look back and say, yeah, but I don't care about that trade now. Yeah, but at the time it was exciting. So that is to say there can be some excitement. And by the way, the the, uh, Devondre Campbell one was probably one of the least exciting moves that the Packers made and it turned out great. So we don't know which ones are going to turn out, which ones aren't. The point is they've done a lot of stuff. And even during the season, converting Chandon Sullivan's contract September 11th. October 7th is when we went out and got Jalen Smith. Again, it didn't work, but that was an exciting move by the Packers. October 7th, same time we got Jalen Smith, and everyone's so excited about Jalen Smith is when we, we moved Razul Douglas, signed it, uh, we signed him to the active roster on that day. Nobody knew, nobody cared because we got Jalen Smith. Again, we didn't know Razul would be the one that changed things. October 20th is when we went out and got Whitney Merciless, another great signing. Didn't exactly materialize the way we had hoped, but... Still exciting. November 2nd, we let Jalen Smith go. January 19th, we waved Kingsley Kiki, et cetera, et cetera. Right now we're getting into next season and all the stuff that has happened this year. So the point is, we're not going to go from all this stuff to zero. And remember, I skipped a whole bunch of other things that are going to be considered newsworthy, although not even really big enough to, you know, waved this person, wait, you know, equanimous or whatever. We're going to wave, 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 wave all kinds of people and make all kinds of minor transactions. But a lot of stuff is going to happen this year, even in the offseason, some of them bigger than others. And, and the other exciting thing about it is, if it, as I said, if you go back and look at it and point out what the biggest things were at the time, Randall Cobb, Jalen Smith, those were not the things we're still talking about this year. Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas slipped under the radar. We didn't really care about either of those. I mean, we did at the time because it was kind of newsworthy with the exception of maybe Razul, because again, same day as Jalen and we'd already had a season going and we had a bunch of other stuff going on. But the point is, things are going to happen, and we don't know the impact of those things. We want the big names, we want the big exciting things, but 
we don't actually know which of these things are just going to pan out and be the most beneficial for us. All I can tell you is, it's coming. Be patient. And let's not rush to judgment immediately. Oh, that's it? Never even heard of that guy. Julio Jones is out there and you got that guy. So, as of right now, we wait and we see what happens. Anyways, why don't we take a break here and then on the other side, I want to, um, I got a bunch more questions and I want to get to them. But as I said, I want to start looking at the future a little bit. Um, And so I want to take a cursory look at the rest of the NFC North, the Bears, Vikings, Lions, and uh, just start moving in that direction. We've been talking about the, uh, the draft for what feels like three months, pretty much nonstop. And then the last couple of days has been um, an SIS buffet. And I um, want to start turning our attention to the season a little bit. So um, as always, please remember Drew and his seizure service dog. Thank you to um, Ryan Filtz for the $5 donation. Really appreciate that. We're at 4930 so we are $70 away from five grand. Sure would be glorious if we can get there. Uh, total goal we're looking for is $7,440. So we need about $2,500. We're closing the gap, boys and girls. We're getting there. Also, please remember A Modern Frontier. Great place to buy you a big old box of meat. That's amodernfrontier.com. Use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, and you can get uh, $25 off your order. Why don't we take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So as I mentioned yesterday, I had a question, and that was, um, in all seriousness, which NFC North team scares you the most or something to that effect? And so let's start analyzing that question by first looking at the teams as they are. I'll start with the Chicago Bears because I'm just going to go, I guess, alphabetical order. So first of all, um, if we look at last year's draft, and this is kind of hilarious because (laughs) they're ordering it by um, how good these players were. So I was looking at it. I'm like, why isn't Justin Fields on here? I'm like, oh, because he's not, he's third on the list of the biggest contributions. Um, Larry Borum, the guard, Khalil Herbert, running back, Justin Fields, quarterback, cornerback, Thomas Graham, and defensive tackle, uh, Chris Tonga, however you say his name. Those are the guys that helped out a little bit last year. Here are the players that left last year. Um, James Daniels, offensive lineman. Tashawn Gibson, safety. Jason Peters, tackle. Bilal Nichols, defensive tackle. Dion Bush, safety. Alec Ogletree and Khalil Mack. Artie Burns, cornerback. Jermaine Effetti, tackle. Allen Robinson, wide receiver. Akeem Hicks, another defensive tackle. Tight end Jimmy Graham, uh, punter Pat O'Donnell, defensive tackle Eddie Goldman, wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, defensive tackle Marcus Hunt, basically every defensive tackle they've ever had. Tight end Jesse James, linebacker Bruce Irvin, tackle Elijah Wilkerson, linebacker Cassius Mark, uh, Marsh, linebacker Christian Jones, running back Damian Williams, wide receiver Demir Bird, running back Ryan Nall, tackle Alex Bars, linebacker Danny Trevathan, cornerback Xavier Crawford, guard uh, Arlington Hambright, Running back Artavis Pierce, tight end Ben Mason, cornerback D. Virgin, linebacker Joel Oyengbui, tight end P, uh, J.P. Holtz, running back Tariq Cohen, cornerback Tease Tabor, wide receiver Rodney Adams, quarterback Andy Dalton, wide receiver Jakeem Grant, and safety Marquis Christian. All of those guys left. Here is who they added. Quarterback Trevor Simeon, guard Lucas Patrick. Cornerback Trayvon Young, defensive end Al Kahin Muhammad, wide receiver Byron Pringle, defensive tackle Justin Jones, tight end Ryan Griffin, safety Dane Cruikshank, tight end James O'Shaughnessy, wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown, linebacker Joe Thomas, linebacker Ladarius Mack, running back Darrington Evans, cornerback Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback, guard Dakota Dozier, linebacker Nicholas Murrow, tackle Julian Davenport, wide receiver David Moore, linebacker Matthew Adams, linebacker Noah Dawkins, center Willie Wright, fullback uh, Kari Blassingame, punter Ryan Winslow. So lots and lots and lots and lots of people are gone. Lots and lots and lots of people are new. And that also includes a really robust draft class. There's a lot of picks, not a lot of high picks. But like the Packers, they also had 11 picks. Uh, their two second-round picks, Kyler Gordon, the corner, and safety, Jaquan Brisker. Then uh, the ever-popular Valus Jones pick, who is widely regarded as a 25-year-old special teamer. That's kind of how he's known. Then they got offensive tackle Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah. They followed that up with Dominique Robinson, pass rusher out of Miami, Ohio. Uh, Zach Thomas, not Zach Tom, Zach Thomas, offensive tackle, San Diego State. Uh, running back, running back, Tristan Ebner out of Baylor, um, offensive lineman, Doug Kramer out of Illinois, offensive lineman, Jatir, Jatir Carter out of, uh, Southern, which, well, never mind. Safety, Elijah Hicks out of Cal, punter Trenton Gill out of NC State. Uh, is that the last one? It is. All right. So that's a lot coming in and a lot going out. The, the real big, I, I think the, the most important parts here are the guys that left. 
and um, the draft picks. Because let's be completely honest. If you compare the guys that left and the guys they brought in, how many of the guys that they brought in are going to replace any of the guys that left? Lucas Patrick has a real good shot of playing offensive lineman, right? He's, he's a decent guard, as we know. Al-Kadin Muhammad is probably going to play because they lost everybody else, but it's clearly a downgrade. Trayvon Young at corner, not very good at football, but it's a thing. So they lost a lot of really key pieces, and then they drafted a couple. And so if we look at the overall team, there is not a single group, if I'm looking at PFF, that is impressive. In fact, on this entire starting roster, whatever, one player is in the 70s, and that's it. There are no 80s, there are no 90s. 74.7 is the highest grade on offense or defense, and it is wide receiver Darnell Mooney. That's it. Robert Quinn is very, very close. Technically, you probably should round it up to a 69.9 to a 70. David Montgomery, 69.8. Could probably round that up to a 70, but who cares? Who cares? In the grand scheme of things, who cares? The other two wide receivers, 65 and 56. One of them being Equinemius St. Brown, who is a starting wide receiver for them right now. Justin Fields with a 64. We've gone over him several times. He's got some horrific metrics. I mean, listen, it's, it's not even worth covering it anymore. I mean, it's, it's worth it to me to keep making fun of the guy, no question. But it's not a matter of, did he have a good year? Anybody that's still arguing that is, is, is incompetent. The question is, is he going to massively transform himself into a really good quarterback? Because if not, if we get more of the same from Justin Fields, I don't care what the scheme is, who the, who the coach is, any of that stuff. This is a terrible quarterback. He has to make major strides. And maybe he will, I don't know. This offensive line, left tackle, Jenkins, the guy they traded up for in the second round, 47 overall grade. Cody Whitehair, 66 overall grade. Sam Mustafer, 51 overall grade. Don't, you know, careful, don't, don't stuff me in a locker. Lucas Patrick, again, decent player, whatever, 57 overall grade. And Larry Borum, 61 overall grade. That's their offensive line. 66 overall grade, Cody Whitehair is as good as it gets. That's it. And by the way, he's a better run blocker than pass blocker, which is terrible news for the Bears. Uh, 66 run blocking grade, 61 pass blocking grade. The highest pass blocking grade on this entire offensive line is former Packer Lucas Patrick's Patrick with a 64 overall grade. That's it. That's your offensive line. Best of luck. That's terrible. Defensive line. We, we talked about all the defensive tackles that left. The best defensive tackle, the highest grade that they have is Justin Jones, with a 57 overall grade last year. He was a third-round pick uh, in 2018, North Carolina State Wolfpack. His highest grade is his coverage grade, <laughs> which he probably did four times because he's a defensive tackle. There's a lot of hype about Jalen Johnson from, uh, last year, I believe, uh, two years ago, second-round pick, how great he is. Uh, he had a 54 overall grade as a rookie and a 64 overall grade last year. So he took a step, no question, He's so far from being a top-tier cornerback, it's kind of ridiculous. Now, if he takes another step similar to the one he took last year, he's in the good territory. He's in the good rally. You know, talking 75 overall grade or something, that's fine. If that happens. Otherwise, 64. And then you got Tavon Young, a guy that they added fourth-round pick in 2016. He had a 60 overall grade. He's been getting worse just about every single year. He's their slot corner. Then you've got another second-round pick, Kyler Gordon, same as Jalen Johnson was, who hasn't really panned out. But this time they got Kyler Gordon coming in as a rookie. We'll see how that goes. But as of right now, they don't have any good corners. And then linebackers, obviously everybody's favorite linebacker, Roquan Smith, elite of, of the elite, as good as they come, 47 overall grade. Um, man, is he good. This guy can do it all. 
30 overall run defense. He ranks eighth out of 86 as a run defender. He is just, he's about as good as they get. 64th overall out of 87 total linebackers overall. Um, Coverage grade 14th. So there's that. Uh, Pass rush grade is a 55. So, um, you know, granted, one of the lesser talented linebackers, one of the worst run defending linebackers, because as I noted when he was in college, quarterbacks couldn't block him. Um, not a very good pass rush grade, but he's he's athletic and he's he's a uh, better than average coverage linebacker. So there's that. He also doesn't have his buddy next to him anymore. He now has, uh, as a starting linebacker, Nicholas Morrow, who um, hasn't really played very much. He didn't play at all last year, so... There's that. He was, I believe, an undrafted free agent out of Greenville. And then you got the safeties. Granted, they did add uh, Jaquan Brisker, so assuming he's going to be playing probably instead of Dane Cruikshank, who they brought in, you would hope anyways, because Dane Cruikshank had a 56 overall grade, was a fifth-round pick in in, uh, 2018. So now you've got your free safety and Eddie Jackson, the guy who had one good year, and then you paid him a massive amount of money. Here are his grades, just as a refresher. 68, 93.2, give him a big paycheck, 67, 59, 59. So there you go. There's Eddie Jackson. How many really good players are on this team? Zero. Zero. Even if I grant you Darnell Mooney and, and, and Montgomery, even if I just hand that to you and be like, you know what? Those guys are elite. They're just really good. Who cares? Who cares? Let's put that into Packers terms. Let's say um, Devontae is still on the team, but we lose Aaron Rodgers. Our offensive line is decimated. We don't have any other wide receivers, so we, we lose MVS. We didn't really draft anybody. All right, so it's just Devontae and um, Jordan Love and Aaron Jones, I don't think Montgomery's as good as Aaron Jones, but let's just say. So we got a really good running back. Our offensive line is decimated. We got Devontae. We don't have a quarterback. We lose Rashawn. We lose Preston. We lose Kenny. We didn't draft any defensive tackles. Uh, we don't have Devondre anymore. We don't have Jair. We don't have Stokes. Well, maybe we have Stokes. I'll leave Stokes in there because that's probably on par with about Jalen Johnson. Uh, probably don't have Razul. We don't have Adrian Amos anymore. Th- this is the team. This is what I'm describing to you. This is the Chicago Bears. Decimated offensive line, Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, uh, and then the wide receivers would be like Devontae, Randall, and um, we don't have Lazard anymore, so it would be, I don't know, Malik Taylor, maybe, something like that. Defensive line, I mean, I can't even put Dean on the defensive line. He would be better than anybody the Packers or the Bears have on the defensive line. It'd be like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to make the Packers this bad. So even if I grant you that Brisker and Gordon are going to be great, this team sucks. I will grant you that Mooney is going to take a step in becoming a top 10 wide receiver and Montgomery is going to be a top 10 running back and Gordon and Brisker are great draft picks and Fields takes a step and Johnson takes a step and Quinn doesn't take a step back, which is entirely possible. And let's say Cole Komet becomes somewhat competent as a football player. This team still sucks. They're so bad. Now, look, I, I, here's the thing. It's, it's a new, new regime, right? And they need time they didn't have any time, and because of your prior regime, they didn't have any picks. I'm, I'm fully understanding. I'm, I'm not going to dog that crew because they're brand new. They've got to build this team in their image, and that's going to take time, right? They, they were not handed any money or any draft picks. It's very limited in terms of what they can do. It's going to take time. I'm entirely fine with saying, if you're a Bears fan and your, your whole thing is, look, this is clearly not our year. This is going to take time to build out this vision. Maybe starting next year, we can start to see the pieces come together. We'll, we'll get a better idea of who fits. We'll see what Justin Fields is. Um, obviously, Mooney and Montgomery stick around. Um, we're we're going to have to build up this offensive line, but maybe Jenkins can be the guy. We'll have to see what he can do and commit. 
And Johnson, we really like. And Gordon's going to be a good corner. So we got some good corners there. Al-Qadin Muhammad fits the scheme. So he's going to be a, a guy that can stick with us for a while. I don't care what you say. I like Roquan Smith. So, um, you know, and then and then we got the safeties figured out, right? We already paid Jackson and we drafted a guy, so we're good. But, you know, maybe next year we'll, we'll kind of get a better v- vision and and fill a couple more of these holes and, and start to compete next year. If that's what you're telling me, fine. If you're going to try to lie to me and tell me that the Bears are not a bad team, if you're going to try to tell me they're even halfway competent, if you're going to tell me they're going to compete for the NFC North because the Packers don't have wide receivers or some kind of stupid thing, Packers have a better offensive line, better quarterback, better running backs, better wide receivers, better tight ends, better defensive tackles, better pass rushers, better corners, better sa- better safeties, and better linebackers. There's nothing we don't have that's better. I don't even think you can argue you have a better punter. You're, you're desperately trying to find a punter because we took yours. You're trying to replace the guy that's on our roster right now. So um, probably, pro- depending on our draft picks, you probably have a, a better returner, better long snapper, and I'll even grant you better number one wide receiver, although that's debatable. I know you guys think Darnell Mooney is this elite wide receiver. He ranked 33rd, all right? Let's calm down. He's not even in the top 32. So look, I, I, I personally think this is the fourth out of four teams in the NFC North. I think the Lions take a step um, and, and become that third, third team, possibly second, depending on, on how everybody else and everything else shakes out and what they can do with the guys that they got and how the draft picks fall and all that stuff. But the point is, I think the ceiling is so low for the Bears. I mean, who are the guys that could... Br- the, the, the biggest thing is Justin Fields. But here's the problem with Justin Fields. Number one, you seem to have a regime that is not committed to you. And I know there's been comments about he's our guy and we're committed and Bears fans are all excited about this. See, you guys are wrong. They, they, they're not going to move on from Justin Fields. They love him. Dude, we've got, we've got sound clips of the Seattle Seahawks saying that Drew Locke is our guy and we believe in him. You're always going to have that. Of course, they're going to say, we, but what are, they, what are they supposed to say if you ask them, do you believe in Justin Fields? Are, are, is he the guy? Of course, they're going to say yes. Heck yeah, man. That's our quarterback. We believe in him. We're going to do everything we can to support him. There is no other answer. No matter what the truth is, that's the only answer. He's our guy. We support him. We, we, we're we're going to roll with him no matter what. And that's going to remain true until it's not true. But the biggest problem is Justin Fields taking a step isn't just let's get a new, more competent coach. You don't have an offensive line. He doesn't have wide receivers. There's probably not going to be a very good run game. There's no reliable tight end to dump the, the ball off to. I don't care how good your, your offensive scheme is. If we need Justin Fields to take a step and he's under constant duress 24-7 like he was last year, which there's no reason to believe that's going to get any better. How does this change? I mean, that, that, that's the only path to this team becoming competent in 2022. Justin Fields really takes a step. But otherwise, what? Mooney takes an additional step. Montgomery takes an additional step, which I don't know how he's going to do that. He doesn't have an offensive line. You know, again, a couple corners, big deal. 2018, you guys had like three really good corners as well as the best safety in football. And you had Adrian Amos, who was dominant. And you had a great uh, linebacker duo because Smith was at his peak and everybody else was at their peak in 2018. Um, even though peak wasn't that high for Smith, but whatever. Um, you had Khalil Mack, and who was basically at his peak, believe it or not. You had a great defensive tackle group. Your offensive line was one of the best in football. You had all these things working for you. Even if you reach your peak, whatever that may be, and that is everybody that has room for growth, everybody that has some distance between where they are and where their ceiling is. If everybody hits their ceiling this year, you're still a fraction of what you were in 2018 when you barely scraped into the playoffs and got eliminated instantly one of the better defenses we've seen in the past 20 years and you barely did anything 
Honestly, the only thing that scares me about the Bears is that you guys are so bad and realize Justin Fields is not the answer. You trade Justin Fields to a to, to a team for a King's Ransom, a team that is ready to go today. They've got a really good offensive line. They've got some wide receivers, kind of like the Lions, but I know they wouldn't trade them to the Lions. But I'm just saying, we got everything but a quarterback. And then you get a pretty good ransom for him. Maybe not a first, but you get like a high second or something for Justin Fields. Maybe you do get a first. I don't know. A late first or something. But on top of that, you were so bad, you get an early pick. So you end up getting one of these other really dominant quarterbacks. And maybe you just ruin them too. I don't know. But that's my biggest fear. You're so bad, you get a really good quarterback out of it. Nothing else about the Bears scares me. And even that, I struggle to be scared of. Because that quarterback is going to be forced into this situation. And that sucks. Let's move on to the Detroit Lions that have done some uh, really fun things. Uh, just looking at last year, Amon Ross St. Brown, Penny Sewell, really good additions. Uh, some other con- contributors, Jerry Jacobs, A.J. Parker, Olin McNeil. In the offseason, they added cornerback Mike Hughes. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but DJ Chark at wide receiver, Chris Board at linebacker, Deshaun Elliott at safety. Um, and then we'll go to the draft class, which is Aiden Hutchinson at pick two, which is a massive addition, obviously. Jamison Williams which given what they have at wide receiver right now with Amon Rock sort of being that number one guy, then you had DJ Chark, then you had Jamison Williams. It's kind of looking like a real unit here. I mean, we'll see how it pans out, but then you got Josh Paschal, pass rusher out of Kentucky. So now you go from one of the worst defensive lines to um, two pass rushers. And again, I don't know how much these guys are going to actually pan out, but that's a big step. Uh, Kirby Joseph, safety, James Mitchell, tight end in the fifth round. Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker in the sixth round. James Houston, outside linebacker, sixth round. Chase Lucas, cornerback in the seventh round. In terms of some of the losses that they've had, Jalen Reeves-Mabin at linebacker, Nick Williams, defensive tackle, Dean Marlowe, safety, Trey Flowers, pass rusher, Nicole Roby Coleman, cornerback, and then like 10 other, 12 other guys. The, the, the biggest thing with the Lions is they had such a garbage team to begin with Anybody they lost is probably not going to be a big deal, assuming it's not, you know, an offensive lineman or something, and they really didn't lose um, any important pieces that I can see. Again, Jalen Reeves-Mabin is maybe the best that they lost, and the guy was terrible. So the biggest thing with the Detroit Lions, and again, I've been saying I think they've been getting too much credit. You know, they won, what, two games or something stupid? But they clearly played better than what their roster was, right? The, the sounds hard to believe, but... They, they stuck with games. They played four quarters to the best of their ability, which was very limited. And um, just, just the attitude and the energy they played with was admirable. And, and the whole thought process is if they could just put a team here, if they could put players here, um, this, this could be pretty an exciting unit. I still think it's a pretty bad team, but they certainly have a better roster than other teams that are um, you know winning a decent amount of games. I mean, could this be a 500 team, which I know is not achievable these days, but more wins than losses? I think so. They do have a very good offensive line. Ragnow is still one of the best centers. Penny Sewell became a really good tackle. He struggled early on, but he ended 23rd with a 77 overall grade, and that was with him getting a terrible start. So I think he's going to be fantastic. Decker on the other tackle spot's great, and then Jackson and Vitae at in the guard spots do a good job. TJ Hawkinson is a good tight end. We've already talked about um, DJ Chark and um, Equinim- or Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams as wide receivers, I think could be a really solid unit. Williams and Chark are, are big sended guys. I mean, they got one of the faster guys in the NFL now in Williams. DJ Chark, sort of the big speed guy. And then St. Brown in the slot when you got all three of these guys just kind of doing work. The biggest issue, though, is going to be the defense. And I know they added a bunch of guys, and obviously Hutchinson's going to be there. So you add Hutchinson for sure. 
but it's still one of the worst defensive tackle groups in football, depending on if anybody takes a step or not. Um, but Brockers and Anwuzarike, I mean, we're, we're talking, if you look at the worst, the bottom 10 defensive tackles in football, about half of them are Detroit Lions, and it's their entire defensive line group. Um, don't know if there's going to be any other pass rushers that can contribute. Harris was decent last year. Um, don't know if he's going to be doing anything or not. Um, I know they added Pascal, but again, is he just going to slot in and be that guy right away? I don't know. So the defensive line is, is, is Hutchinson and we'll see what else. And, and we don't even know what Hutchinson necessarily is going to be. Corner is still a big issue. Uh, is Akuda going to take a step? He needs to. Uh, he was terrible as a rookie. He played one week last year and was out the rest of the year with an injury. Can he bounce back and do something? I have no idea. Um, they've got Jerry Hughes, or excuse me, Mike Hughes. It's decent enough cornerback, I guess. Um, they also have one of the worst linebacker groups. A so linebacker and defensive tackle is really, really terrible, and their safeties are not great. So the defense is still going to be the biggest issue. And also their offense is capped by the fact that Jared Goff is their quarterback. So, I mean, really, their best bet is to try to be the 2011 Packers, right? We're going to try to just run up the score. We're not going to really run the ball at all. We're going to throw to our tight end and our three wide receivers, and we're going to try to run up the score high enough that we don't really need to worry about our defense too much. But if we just do head-to-head with the Bears, I don't know how the Bears' defense stops this offense, which feels so weird to say, because the Bears, if they are anything, usually are a good defensive team, and the Lions are just generally a joke pretty much my entire life. I mean, there were the days of Megatron and a couple blobs blips and bleeps here and there of uh competence but it's been a while but i'm i mean i'm looking at a decent enough group i don't know how they get any pass rush against this offensive line and um i yeah i don't i don't know now can the bears offense move against the lions defense i mean it's whatever the opposite of an unstoppable force and an immovable object are that would be the bears offense and the lions defense but whatever Point is, I'm looking at one team that is at least halfway competent and another team that is in no way competent. You've got a halfway decent quarterback that has proven if he's in the right scheme with the right amount of weapons, he can succeed and actually somewhat thrive. Goff now has a good offensive line and a pile of weapons to work with. Doesn't mean he's going to be elite, but I do think Goff plays better this year than he did last year. And I think the offense plays better this year than it did last year. And the defense plays better this year than it did last year. They're still not where they need to be, but I think they're doing this the right way. They're building the right way to the point now where they can easily add a quarterback to this equation. Not because they're ready to compete today necessarily because the defense is a disaster, but the offense is in a position to to house a quarterback. It is a great environment from a culture standpoint. He's got a great offensive line to protect him and a massive amount of weapons. The only thing he probably doesn't necessarily have is a run game, but we got to see you know how that materializes. If you've got... Williams and Chark scare terrifying everybody down the field. I don't know why they wouldn't be able to run, even though Swift hasn't proven to be a great running back. The amount of fear teams are going to have about protecting the deep portions of the field, they're not going to be able to stack the box ever. And this is a very good offensive line with some really big people movers. I think there should be some giant holes to run through. It, it's not going to take the most competent running back in the world to figure out how to get four or five yards out of this. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm a little sad that they're becoming good, but I'm, I'm, as an NFL fan, I'm intrigued by the Lions. Again, still massive holes, but as I've said, this is a long, slow building process, and I feel like they're hitting all the way down the line and all the right pieces. That's not to say Jameson would have necessarily been my choice to trade up and go get him. I think he got bigger needs with Chark and St. Brown and and everything else, so we can get wide receivers later, but um, probably would have focused more on defense, but whatever, right? Go up and get Jordan Davis because these defensive tackles are just the worst, but whatever. that's, That's your call. And then finally, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, 
some of their losses last year, Anthony Barr, Xavier Woods, Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin, Tyler Conklin, the tight end, Nick Vigil, linebacker, Michael Pierce, defensive tackle, Mackenzie Alexander, cornerback, center Cole, uh, Mason Cole, Rashad Hill, tackle, Luke Stocker, tight end, Tashawn Bauer, pass rusher, Wayne Gallman, running back, tight end, Chris Herndon, wide receiver, D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver, Chad Beebe, tight end, Brandon Dillon, guard, Dakota Dozier, pass rusher, Eddie Yarborough. So those are big pieces, right? A lot of the guys we mentioned are uh, either big names, longtime contributors, big scheme guys, or just flat-out good football players, especially along that defensive line, Michael Pierce, Everson Griffin, Sheldon Richardson, that's it's a big blow. Um, additions, they added linebacker Jordan Hicks, tackle Jesse Davis, cornerback Jandon Sullivan, uh, Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle Chris Weed guard, Nate Harrison, cornerback, Johnny Munt, tight end, linebackers Adarius Smith, pass rusher, whatever, uh, Julian Taylor, defensive tackle, blah, 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 doesn't matter. Um, basically, as far as additions, Zadarius is one of the bigger ones, but again, I have questions about that defense overall and how this is going to fit as far as the scheme. I mean, he obviously fits better than than um, Hunter at this point, but I still am curious as to how that's all going to pay out, play out. But in the draft, uh, Lewis seen Andrew Booth, similar to what the Bears did, they decided to go out and go safety corner. They want the DBs. Everybody's scared of the Lions these days, apparently. I don't know. Um, after that, also in the second round, they got Ed Ingram, guard out of LSU. Then they added Brian Asamoah in the third round, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Fourth round, a Caleb Evans, cornerback out of Missouri, another DB. Fifth round, they got uh, Esezi Otemewo, pass rusher out of Minnesota, and Ty Chandler, running back out of North Carolina. Sixth round, Vidarian Lowe, offensive tackle out of Illinois, Jalen Naylor, wide receiver out of Michigan State, and then seventh round, Nick Muse, tight end out of South Carolina. So I know I'm not giving a lot of credence to the draft picks because I think I'm, I'm trying to do more of a realistic look at things, which is to say maybe some of the first, second round guys end up contributing. Not a ton outside of that. And if you look at the Vikings... I think Lewis Seen slots in next to um, Harrison Smith, more than likely. That's probably going to happen. And we'll have to see about Andrew Booth. Uh, I know there's a, a, a ton of hype and everything else, but you do have Peterson and Dantzler out there. I don't know that he just comes out and dominates immediately day one over. Again, Dantzler is doing a really good job, and are they just going to flat-out bench Patrick Peterson? I would doubt it. And then in nickel, they got Shannon Sullivan to be the nickel guy, the, the slot guy. Andrew Booth isn't going to be the slot guy, and I don't think Peterson or Dancer are going to slide inside. So I, I don't really know outside of seeing how many guys are going to start day one. Maybe at Ingram, possibly, but I don't know that that's automatic either. I think Ezra Cleveland is locked in at left guard. Um, I think the biggest question would be right guard, and maybe Ed Ingram does start at right guard right away. I don't know. We got to see. But point is, Reed was like a 67 overall. He was the 38th ranked guard. I don't expect a rookie late second round pick to necessarily be better than that. But um, I, I think the Vikings, as they stand, are probably the second best team. Again, a lot of this is going to depend how good the the Lions are with the guys that they have and how bad the bad is, right? How good is the good, how bad is the bad? But the Vikings are kind of still the same Vikings. They've got some things that are changing, some things that are certainly different, but um, it's still Cousins. And again, Cousins is wildly underrated. He was the sixth highest graded quarterback, just like he is just about every year. Um, Justin Jefferson was a fourth ranked wide receiver. Adam Thielen was 35th. He seems to be declining a little bit, but still very good. Actually, he's got that every other year thing. So we'll see, um, at age almost 32, if he can have another one more really high year. Um, but you know, Dalvin Cook ranked 42nd, but we know he's, when he can be healthy, which I, I hate that phrase, but I'm sure being out every other week doesn't help. 
decent enough. The offensive line, I think they've done... I need to turn that off because it keeps bleeping, and I think you can hear that. Let me turn that off so you can't hear my computer. Boom. All right. Good to go. Um, I think they've got a decent enough offensive line. It's not elite, but it would, I would say it's, you know, about at the level of where the Packers are at. They don't have the high highs that the Packers have, but they also don't have the low low. They've, they've got a bunch of guys just kind of floating at about 70 with the exception of Bradbury, who's a garbage center, but whatever. It happens. So good quarterback, great wide receiver duo, decent enough offensive line. That'll get you by on offense. Is that going to make you like a, an elite contender? Or, no, but I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about competing in the NFC North, not competing in the Super Bowl. That's more than enough to carry you through the NFC uh, North. Maybe not against the Packers defense, but we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. The biggest issue is going to be defense, and this is where we got to see how things pan out. Um, if we kind of just do what I did with the other teams looking at the groups and saying, is it good or bad? Um, Defensive line, I don't know, right? Hunter and Zadarius. By the way, Zadarius Smith's uh, grade last year was a 56. And he didn't play very much, but I'm just saying the year prior was a 76. The year before that was basically a 90. The the, the picture we have of Zadarius Smith is 2019 Zadarius Smith, and we think that's just what he is. His grades over his career, 58, 54, 60, 69, 90, 76, 56. So um, even if we want to get rid of those first three years because he didn't really figure out what he was, and uh, whatever he's 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 not at the 90 range so maybe 2020 is kind of who he is and that's about a 75 and he had a good year in 2020 no question but new team and and again I don't know what they do with with this supposed 3-4 system I don't know are they going to try to play more four-man fronts because then you got Hunter kind of sticking with what he does and Smith can obviously do it to some degree either way I tend to think it's a good unit I just don't know I don't know what they're doing I don't know who does I don't know if Hunter takes a step back because they're changing what he's been doing his entire career. I don't know what version of Smith we're going to get if he's even healthy. Um, then you got Tomlinson and Phillips who are decent defensive tackles, but we got to kind of see what that materializes into. Cornerback, I don't know. I think Cam Dantzler is a good corner. I think Peterson is massively overrated and old. He hasn't been good since 2018. Um, so I'm not as afraid of him, but we got to see what happens with Andrew Booth. Do they have the guts to just say, listen, Booth is ready. He's the man. Uh, Patrick is just not very good anymore, so we're just going to swap him out? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Peterson doesn't even make the squad this year. Maybe he ends up getting cut. I don't know what his contract situation is. But again, that also assumes that a guy that got drafted comes in and is just dominant as a rookie, which, as we know, is very rare. Um, Linebackers, I don't think they have great linebackers, but they're decent, basically 60s across the board. Uh, Kendricks, I had been knocking for many, many years as being overrated. 59, 68, 67, 64. Everybody said he was a great linebacker. I'm like, no, he's not. And then all of a sudden, 2019, second highest graded linebacker in all of football, the 90 overall grade. The next year, and I said that was an outlier, it's not going to happen again. Next year, third highest graded linebacker, 82.6. But then last year, he goes back to 37th overall with the 59.9. I don't know what the heck happened the last, those two years, but it was seemed to be a weird fluke and it he's back to normal. Um, on top of that, Barr is gone. So we have a completely different look at the linebacker position with Kendricks kind of being and 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 I think again if they are going to more of this three four kind of a look there's probably going to be more one linebacker you can see more of like what the Packers did for a long time with one linebacker and that one linebacker probably be Kendricks although we're probably moving to more two linebacker but the point is they don't really need bar as much and then I I assume they're going to have great safeties with Smith and Seen I don't know Um, Harrison Smith is 33 years old Uh, he was also very consistent with his every other year 85, 75, 92, 79, 88, 74. Last year was supposed to be his big year, and he had a 77. 
So if he regresses a little bit from 77, this could be his first official bad year, or even if he just stays there or whatever, I don't know. But the point is, at some point, everybody falls off. The guy's 33 years old. But but again, it, does Smith have a really good year and seen as a, is, is a freak? So you got two really dominant safeties, which wouldn't surprise anybody because it's the Vikings and every year they have great safeties. Or does Seen struggle as a rookie and Smith takes a step back? I don't know. They, they could have the best safety duo in football. They could be a subpar unit. Second best group in the NFC North. I don't know. So it's a little bit up in the air, but, but if you just look at the floor and the ceiling, I think even at their floor, they have a really good chance of still being the number two over the Lions. I mean, if the, if the, if the Vikings completely bottom out, and I'm not even talking about injuries, I'm just saying they all hit their floor and the, and the Lions all hit their ceiling, maybe we're talking they're number two. And yes, I'm just assuming the Packers are number one. That's what I do. It's a Packers podcast. Fight me on it. I don't care. But I, I, I see it genuinely as Packers are the best, followed by the Vikings, because they just got more stability. And, and I know, it, listen, it's a new regime, it's a new year, new scheme, all that stuff. Maybe that's going to hurt them, but nobody else is really fully established, right? The Packers are going into their second year of the defensive scheme. The Lions are going into just their second year. The Bears are in their first year. Everybody's kind of brand new to this. But yeah, I, I think if you compare that to the the Packers, and clearly there's, there's questions here, but um, the best quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. The best running back group is the Packers. Um, best wide receiver group is probably the Lions at this point. We'll have to see. Um, I don't. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's it's the Vikings. Then probably the the Lions, and then probably the Packers. It does remain to be seen. But the Bears haven't done really much of anything to add to that unit, so um, very unlikely they get any better. The Packers did add some people. It's unlikely that rookies come out and dominate, but we'll have to see. We've we've already gone over that, especially at wide receiver. It's entirely possible. The question is, did one of the is one of the guys that break out going to be one of the guys the Packers got? And even if it is, it's still going to be hard to compete with the other two teams. Um, offensive line, plenty of question marks, but I think as far as tackle duo, the Packers got that pegged. I don't think anybody's better. The interior is going to be the biggest question. We know Royce Newman had a bad year. Josh Myers really didn't grade out very well at all. There's a lot of excitement about him. He was injured. He's going into his second year. We'll see what happens. But he ranked 33rd out of 39 with a 54 overall grade. We got to see. Uh, Runyon, I think, is a really good guard. But um, it really comes down to the the competition at guard. How much better is it going to get with the guys that we added? And then what are we doing at center? And it's also possible, you know, if, if we have a guy like Zach Tom, I don't think it's going to happen. But let's just say he or somebody thrives at tackle while Jenkins is out. One of these guys plays tackle. They're really, really good. And we decide to keep him there. Maybe Jenkins comes in at guard. I don't know. Probably not, but uh, the point is, I think there's there's almost no chance that the offensive line group doesn't get quite a bit better. Um, as far as the defensive tackle group, I don't know, but it's going to be hard to compete with the Packers. I know the Lions and Bears don't. The The Vikings have a couple guys that are good football players, but in terms of the ceiling with especially pass rush, I don't know that you can compete with the Packers necessarily. Um, as far as edge rushers, I don't know that there's much debate that the Packers have the best group. It's not the Bears. Um, if the, even if the Lions, it's kind of similar to us with the wide receiver situation. Even if they peak with their uh, pass rushers, I don't see them competing. Rashawn Gary was the fifth best pass rusher in all of football with a 90 overall grade. Nobody's touching that. Um, if Preston completely falls off, then we've only got one. Maybe we don't have the best group, but overall, when you look at the defensive tackle and pass rush group, I think the Packers have the best defensive line unit. Uh, corners, I think the Packers have the best corners. We know the Lions group is not good. The Bears group is not good. And the Vikings group is not good with a couple caveats that maybe they can become good depending on who takes a step and how the rookies perform. But you're talking Jair is the top guy. Eric Stokes going into his second year. Razul Douglas, 
not even sure how these guys are all going to fit in, but but that's that is clearly by far the best unit. And then linebacker, it's not even a question. Campbell is the best linebacker in this entire group, and we added Walker. And then um, on top of that, again, safety really is going to depend on on Savage and what he does. We know Adrian Amos is a great safety. Um, if Savage kind of rebounds and has a good year, then it's possibly the best safety group, if not second best after the Vikings. If Savage doesn't get any better and Amos doesn't have like a monster, monster year, then then we're kind of floundering a little bit. But th- again, Bears and Lions safety groups are not great, depending on draft pick production. So I still think our, our floor is second. So just based on that, I mean, again, everyone's hung up on wide. Yeah, but your wide receivers are no good. Okay, first of all, Randall Cobb had a 70 overall grade. I know he wasn't like a world beater, but he's not a bad football player. Alan Lazard had a 65 overall grade. Based on certain metrics that you look at, Alan Lazard grades out really, really well. DVOA, the the guys over there love Alan Lazard. He ranks really high every single year. And that's not even touching on any of the three guys we brought in or the number four overall pick that we brought in via free agency. Not even touching on that. Or Amari going into his second year. We're not even touching on any of that. We're simply looking at it and saying, Lazard and Cobb are trash and that's all you got and so your team sucks. That's, that's the depth of thought that brings us to the Packers don't have wide receivers. And again, even if you're tr- even if it's true, Lazard does not get any better, Cobb does not contribute in his second year, Amari doesn't get better in his second year, and none of our rookie wide receivers are any good, and Sammy Watkins, who we brought in, it does not contribute at all, then yeah, then we're in trouble, sure. Assuming all of that happens, then then yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be rough to get contribution from our wide receivers, despite the fact that we still have a good team with quarterback, offensive line, running back. Um, we, we still have tight ends that can contribute and, and potentially one of the best defenses in football. I think we'll find a way to get by. So that's where I've got it. I got the Packers locked in at number one. I think the Vikings pending a massive implosion and just not really having a cohesive thing and or the Lions just completely blowing this thing up. I think the Vikings are number two with an outside shot at the Vikings taking that two spot. I think the Lions are pretty well locked in at three and I really don't see any any direction for the Bears to get over the hump. The only real thing I can see is, is again, a massive implosion by the Vikings. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to include injuries. If something happens via injury that's outside of this discussion, that or an implosion from the Lions, which is something that I think deserves talking about that isn't really being talked about. Because remember, they played better than they were last year. If they kind of regress back to just a garbage team that plays garbage football, in other words, they're not overperforming. They're just kind of performing at their own level. They may still be fourth. I mean, it's not going to take too much of a, a leap from Justin Fields if the Lions do take a step back in terms of just they don't have that psychotic, like this team just doesn't quit. They're like they're like this psychotic dog that won't let go of a bone. Like a pit bull just, just clamped onto your leg, man. That, that dog is not coming off until he wants to. That was the Lions last year. And again, that was the whole thing. Like, I, I, they suck, but I respect them. If that element goes away and they're just a football team, I think you, can, you could possibly see a minor enough leap for the Chicago Bears where they end up being third, possibly. But this is the Lions' spot to lose, right? I mean, I'm, I'm granting you a lot here. I'm saying Goff can be better. I'm saying the wide receivers are going to stay good. You know, I'm, I'm granting you Williams is going to contribute and Chark is going to contribute despite the fact that Williams is a rookie and I have no idea if he can do anything, especially coming off an injury. And Chark is not that good of a football player. And we assume St. Brown doesn't regress and it wasn't kind of just a late year flare up fluke. And I'm assuming that Aiden Hutchinson comes in and actually gives you somewhat of a competent defensive line. And I'm assuming somebody gives you something at corner um, because I'm just trying to give you something here. But if these things aren't true and you guys don't keep that same level of psychotic energy, you're very 
very much in the sights of the Bears to be able to take over that spot. But I am very comfortable with my rankings this year, probably more so than any other year. Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears. That's where I've got it sitting. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic whatever day it is. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.